right, well, good morning. Good to be with you all this morning. So uh, I titled this sermon, uh, On the Road Again, and I hope the song that, that comes in your mind is the song, On the Road Again, by, by Willie Nelson. I hope that's the song that comes in your mind, because that's what I was trying to go for. Um, but as you can see, the, uh, the passage we're going to be in is Luke chapter 24, and you can turn there, uh, and I'll meet you there in just a moment. But... Uh, so last week was, was Easter, right? And, and we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, it, it was a great time. Um, and, and in preparing for the sermon, I knew I had the Sunday after Easter. And I knew I wanted to do something surrounding Jesus and, and kind of the resurrection. And I thought I knew the whole story. I thought, you know, I've read the resurrection story so many times. I know what happened in the last three days of his life before he died. But then I came to Luke 24 passage, and then I realized, man, I don't know it all. And so I read this passage, and I thought, I've got to do a sermon on this one. Um, and, and in the Bible, we see a, we see a theme, uh, kind of a, a literature theme about roads, and about being on the right road or going, following the wrong path. It's a whole theme, even throughout Hebrew and New Testament scriptures. Um, and this is just one of them. Uh, and so I wanted to do uh, a sermon about this and just kind of talk about roads and kind of the paths that we take in our life. So uh, let's just go ahead and start in Luke chapter 24. And I don't think this is working, is it, Tim? No, it is not. Okay. So yeah, go ahead. Uh, flip the slide. So we come to, to verse 13. Uh, and it says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Okay? Oh, sorry. Go back. Yeah, I know. Sorry. I didn't talk to you before. Um, okay, so we're going to kind of go through here, and we're just going to kind of go through the story a little bit, all right? So we see at first, now that same day, two of them, okay? Well, first of all, let's talk about the day. What day are they talking about? This is the day that Jesus rose. This is Resurrection Sunday. This is right after Jesus resurrected, right after the women went to the tomb and saw it completely empty, so there were two, so it was the same day, Resurrection Sunday, probably mid-afternoon sometime, okay, we don't know for sure, but it's Resurrection Sunday. And Luke tells us that two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. And I wondered about who them were, who could they be referring to. Uh, in my opinion, it was two of, two of the disciples, two of the followers of Jesus. I don't believe it was one of the twelve. Uh, one of the core followers of Jesus, but it was certainly, as we'll see later, they were certainly following Jesus through his ministry and, and through the three years of his, uh, his life. Um, and they were going to a village called Emmaus. And so I have on the map, uh, Jerusalem is right there, kind of lower, uh, lower south, right by Bethany and Bethlehem. And there's a road going straight left. It leads all the way to Lydda, and it goes towards Joppa. And Emmaus is one of the major cities just outside of Jerusalem. Um, and and say we're, so they were going away from Jerusalem. And, and that's very important as we kind of work through this story. So go ahead and, and flip it one more. So let's keep going. Verse 14, it says, they were, talking about, they, were, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they walked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. So we have these two disciples, and they've witnessed everything that has happened in the last three days. 
They've witnessed Jesus' death. They witnessed him being buried. And all of a sudden, there is this supposed resurrection that the women saw, that Jesus wasn't in the tomb. And so, of course, it's the same day, and so they're talking about all this stuff. Well, we saw him die, and we saw him buried, and now he's not there, supposedly. So you know that they're confused, and they, they don't know what's going on, and they're taking a path outside of the city where all of this took place, right in Jerusalem. They're going away. They're, they did, I don't know what they're really thinking, but in my eyes, they're going away from all the chaos because they know that the Jewish leaders are after them too because they were seen following Jesus, more likely. And so they were trying to get away from everything. And Jesus himself comes up right next to them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And I, and I asked myself, why? Why were they kept from recognizing Jesus at that point? Because to me, if I was walking along, and I, I was just trying to understand, and boom, there's Jesus, I would say, oh, hey, Jesus. Hey, wh- what's all this going on? You know, kind of nonchalantly, like, ah, there you are. You just rose from the dead. Congratulations. But, and so you know that they're so confused, but I think God did a beautiful thing here, and we're going to see that, that he kept them from recognizing them at just this moment. Uh, Because Jesus is going to do something very powerful uh, in in just a few moments. Okay, so in verse 17, he said, He asked them, "What What are you discussing as you walk along? Like Jesus didn't know. They stood still, and their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, Asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? In these days? So I, I kind of feel that Cleopas was sarcastic a little bit. You know, Jesus is like, what are you guys talking about? And he's like, what do you mean what are we talking about? What else would we be talking about? We've just gone through these three days. The whole city is in an uproar over this man that had just died. So he thinks, are you visiting? Have you not heard? You know all of these surrounding, well, all of this surrounding areas were, were talking about it. So, uh, you know, and I feel that it's fitting that they, he, he was the only disciple named um, just because he was the only one that specifically spoke um, to Jesus at this time. And so Jesus prompts them with a the question, what, what are you discussing? And so, you know, Cleopas kind of has like this duh moment. Just like, what else would we be talking about? We're talking about Jesus. And so he goes on to say that. Uh, in verse 19, what things, Jesus asks, what things are you talking about? And, he, and uh, they replied about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. And it's interesting, in in verse 19, they use a word to describe Jesus um, that if I was Jesus would have made me a little upset, um, but he's Jesus, but he doesn't. They use the word prophet. They say, well, he was a a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. They didn't call him the Messiah. And why did they not call him the Messiah? Because the Messiah is not supposed to die. God's not supposed to die, people. He's supposed to come down and reign in the Jewish kingdom and take over the, Ru- the Roman oppressors. He's not supposed to die. A dead king is a useless king to them. 
So I find it interesting that they call him the prophet, as they did just all of the other Jewish and Hebrew prophets. So they had a misunderstanding about Jesus from the very beginning. They were just following a prophet, so they thought. And, and so they thought that the leaders of Israel, the Jewish leaders, had killed a prophet, just like they had so many years before. But they didn't think that they had killed the Messiah. So let's keep going. In verse 21, and this is, this is very important, they said, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. For them, all hope has now been lost. He's dead. He's dead, and they buried him in a tomb. All hope has been lost. And, you know, in their eyes, Jesus can't take over Rome. He can't rule the Jewish kingdom if he's in a tomb. So I'm just trying to get you guys in this mode of what they're thinking as they're walking along and, and talking about talking to this man, so they think, this visitor from outside of Jerusalem. Uh, they, 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 they just don't understand. And I think at this point, I think we're, we're quick to judge a little bit. But I, I'm trying to think of myself in, this, in their shoes, and I'm probably doing the same thing. I'm, if I'm thinking there's supposed to be a king that's going to come down and rule the Jewish kingdom, and now he's dead... I would think all hope is lost, too. But uh, Jesus isn't, isn't done with them yet. So they keep on going in verse 21. They say, and what is more? It is the third day since all of these things took place, since they killed him. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But they did not see Jesus. So it's interesting they're telling a story um, about other people that had gone and seen the tomb. But they never said that they went and saw the tomb. And, you know, I may be quick to judge, but I think that they didn't believe. I don't think they believed that the Messiah had risen. It's not mentioned in Scripture that they were the ones who actually went with the women and with Peter and saw the tomb empty. So maybe they didn't believe. I think they just thought that all hope was lost, and so they stayed behind. They thought, you can go to the tomb. You can go and see. And uh, so in verse, let's go to verse 25, and this is where Jesus responds to all of, this, um, all of these things that they've been talking about. They've been talking about him, obviously. But, uh, and he says to them, how foolish, how foolish are you, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So it's interesting that Jesus doesn't start from three days ago when he was arrested. And it was explaining, listen, I'm not a prophet. I died, and yes, I was buried, but look, here I am. He still doesn't reveal himself. And he doesn't make himself known. What he does, though, is he starts with Moses. He starts with the Torah and goes all the way through the prophets, who they thought that he was one of, to explain that all that, to, to clear up their confusion about all that had taken place. He says, look, these things were supposed to take place. And so he's trying to clear up their confusion based on all of the scriptures that they had grown up reading. 
but it doesn't quite work, but I think Jesus knows that it's not going to work because of what's going to happen later. So verse 28. As they approached the village, the village of Emmaus, to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then, verse 31, Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Just like that. Old Jesus trick. Just disappearing. Right there. So they, they all would have known what Jesus did the night that he was betrayed. If they were there in that room, that memory was, was seeped into their minds. They would have known that Jesus took the bread and broke it and gave it to them. That, that memory was so fresh and so clear in their minds. And, and, and what Jesus did, so when Jesus does what he did that night, maybe one of the last times they saw him, then their eyes were opened. Then God said, okay, now you can see clearly. And, and it's interesting, you know, they, were, they would have been the only ones in that room. It was just Jesus and the disciples as, as far as we know. And, and the fact that he took bread, gave things broken, and gave it to them, that whole, that whole process, that was, I, I, I can't even imagine being there and, and being with these two guys as they, were, as they uh, were seeing Jesus do this. And they're like, oh my gosh, now I know who it is. And then their eyes were open. Uh, but what I find fascinating is what they did after, verse 32. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we talk, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So they, they were calling something that they felt. They were like, man, our hearts were, we felt something inside of us as he was talking to us, but we didn't know what it was. Verse, 30, verse 33, then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They went back to where they came from. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them. When he broke the bread. And so there we have the end of the story. Uh, but I want to find just a few points of, of application for us. You know, this is a story that took place over 2,000 years ago. Uh, but there's, there's so many applications for us today. Uh, so the first application is uh, Scripture points us to the right path. Before Jesus even said, look, it's me. It's Jesus. I've risen. He didn't, even, he didn't have to say anything. But when they realized that they, they didn't recognize him, Jesus uses scripture to point back to himself. And I think it's a very important step. They were on a road. They were on the road to, to Emmaus, the village. Uh, but they were on a road where they were confused. They just didn't know what to do. And they were sad. And, and, and they, they were angry, probably, at this guy that they had followed. And then the leaders... Um, just go and, and, and hang them on a cross. I'm sure they were angry and, and all these negative emotions inside of them. And, and they, they didn't know what to do. And so they thought, well, we might as well just, just go somewhere. And we don't know whether they were going to Emmaus permanently or what, but, but they were trying to get away. They were just trying to get away. And clarity begins to take place. That process, when they start to recognize Jesus, it starts to take place when Jesus points to himself in the Scriptures. 
in, in the law and in the prophets. Uh, Psalm 24, verses 4 and 5 says, Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. And Psalm 119, 105, I don't have a slide for this, but it, it, you know, I, I just love this one. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. God's word, this book, whether on your tablet or an actual book, whatever you got, it leads us to the right path. It shows us this is the way to go. So wherever you are in life, I don't think it really matters where you've come from or where you're going, but this is the starting point. You've got to start here because it just shows you where to go. And it's so clear. And it's just amazing that we have the whole thing. We don't just have just the law and the prophets. We now have the beautiful message of the gospel. Uh, so scripture point us, points us to the right path. Uh, second application, faith in Jesus Christ gets us on the right path. It's one thing to see the path lying before us, but it's another thing to actually step on the path and continue on. Uh, and, when the, and, and it's interesting, in verse 33 of, of um, the Luke 23, they, they returned to the right path. Uh, verse 33, let me see here. <laughs> they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. As soon as they recognized Jesus, they got up and they went back on the road. They turned around. They, they did a whole 360. They turned around and went right back from where they came from because they knew that's where I need to be. I need to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ because the news is true that Jesus has risen. And so as they were going to Emmaus, they, they were on the, the, the wrong path. They were headed down a road where they didn't know where they were, they were going. They didn't know where it was leading to. Uh, but their belief in the resurrected Jesus and their faith in Jesus got them back on the path. They turned around and they saw where they needed to go clearly. And when our, when our eyes are open, and when we read the scripture and, and we see where we need to go, and our eyes are open just like uh, these two disciples were, it gets us back on uh, the right path. Uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Uh, it's interesting, uh, you know, I, I love this proverb, but it's a hard proverb to follow. Because the first word is trust. And how many people do we honestly really trust in this life? Not too many. I hope we trust the people that, that we're surrounded with. Uh, but real trust, true trust, is hard to come by. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's not just because we live in the 21st century. It has been ever since humanity began. Ever since Adam and Eve took the fruit, trust was broken between God and man and between man and man. Uh, and, and so uh, trust is a hard thing. But, but we see trusting in the Lord is the first step. And then we see do not lean on your own understanding. Uh, some versions say do not submit to your own understanding. There's an action that needs to, to be stray, uh, stray away from. And then we see acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. These are all action. These, in, in Hebrew, these are all action verbs, uh, if you will. And so it takes action to actually do something to get on that right path. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, uh, for we live by faith and not by sight. We live by the faith in the resurrected Jesus. 
which we celebrated last week and every week, every day. Um, so what's the right path then? We're talking about the right road and the right path. What is the right path? Uh, I only wrote one word down on my outline, and uh, I have Jesus. The right path is Jesus. As uh, we read this morning in the, in the Scripture reading, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. No one gets to the Father except through me. He says, I am the way. I am the way. Uh, just, just a third application really quick before we close. Uh, in verse 35, it says, Then the two of them told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the, the bread. The two of them told what had happened. They were sharing the road. They saw the road. They got on the road. And they saw others that maybe were confused as well. And they said, come on, this is the road. The, the road is wide enough for us. Uh, they, shared their, they shared their experiences. I'm sure they said, look, we were confused. And then this guy came up and we didn't know it was Jesus, but it really was Jesus. And then he was telling us all these things. So they were sharing their story. They were sharing what had happened. Uh, in Luke 12... Verse 8, it says, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. Whoever acknowledges me before others, Jesus says, the Son of Man, I, will acknowledge before the angels of God. Sharing the road, I think, is the best part about being on the road, the path to Jesus Christ. So as we conclude... uh, Just three things once again. Scripture, faith, and sharing. Those are the things that we need to do to see the road. To see Jesus and faith to get on the road. And once we're on that road, to bring others along with us and to say, Come on, there's room in the van, there's room on the road. Come share the road with me as we follow Jesus. So there, I know there are are many here that maybe you're like, Well... I think I'm on the right road. I'm here, aren't I? I'm, I got to be on the right road. Uh, and, and I'm certainly glad, we're certainly glad that you're here because this may be a starting point. If you, if you have, have never followed Jesus or you're just like, I, I, you know, I don't know where I'm going, this is the place to start, surrounded by your family in the kingdom of God, by your brothers and sisters. But I think so many times we think that we're on the right path. We're on that, that straight and narrow. But I think... Sometimes when we open God's word and we read something, and just like the disciples, our hearts are burning. They're burning within us, and we want to ignore that feeling because it may be uncomfortable. But God's saying, come on. Jesus is saying, I'm the resurrected Jesus. And let your eyes be open to what is before you. If we can help you in any way, we ask that you come forward as we stand and as we sing this song.